And welcome to the Mancunian Candidates. I think it's lockdown number six, lockdown week six. And we're still here with you, bringing you all that's happening in the UK from our point of view and all that's happening in the United States from our point of view. And we speak to people from around the world who are experiencing this lockdown and this coronavirus in very, very different ways. I am, as always, joined by my partner in crime. Yes, me over in the corner, Paul Ripley. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, and also, quick uh, thank you to all the people who's messaged us regarding the show, um, the the clicks and likes and mm. listens and views. But and, unfortunately, we are going to continue doing it. Yeah, I'll say, get off! <laughs> No, it's been uh, wonderful. On today's show, we are talking to our friend over in Alaska, Tom Anderson from Tom Anderson Radio Show, who's a Fox News correspondent. And also, we will be going to our our secret man. He likes to be known as our secret man. Absolutely. Uh, Joe in Queens. But first, we'll be talking to Tom. Shall we get on the phone now? Why not? Well, first, I want to play this. It's from the BBC from day four yesterday, and it's... It quite amazes me that the people who voted Trump, well, what they're thinking now, do they still want to vote for him? Is he doing a good job? Mm. Have a listen. As far as Donald Trump goes, I I think he's been doing a great job. And my criticism of the president is that he hasn't sent a consistent message yet. President Trump has really, really been good to our country. Right now, we need his leadership. We need a businessman in there making decisions and being able to sway from decisions, being able to say, okay, well, this worked today, but now we have new information. Now we got to change gears. Personally, we haven't changed at all. My husband's an essential worker. He works in the pharmaceutical industry. My son is a junior in high school, and he's doing online classes in the morning, and then he works in a grocery store in the afternoons. From the very beginning, I think that his handling of this has not been what it should be. Uh, I have definitely criticism for him and uh, the way he handled it in the very early stages. Perhaps he was trying to be cheery and helpful because he wants to help the market or help whatever the, the motive is. It just seems to me like he needs to step back. One of the best ways to lead is to let others lead, especially those who know what they're doing and, and give them the opportunity to, to lead and just get out of their way. I actually know somebody from high school that just had the COVID-19 uh, and then went to the hospital, came back out and is recovered now. Another person locally, same type of thing. We are a rural community and self-distancing isn't really a big deal out here. We haven't had many sick out here at all. Most of the sickness is in the urban cities. We have also seen that President Trump has rolled out the awesome power of the federal government. The state of Tennessee has been receiving money on a local and state level, and our neighbors and friends have already received checks. And thanks to President Trump, we're going to see ourselves through this. Right, and then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute, and is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? I think everyone is blowing this way out of proportion. I just can't even believe that he would think that that's a, something he should suggest or even appear to be suggesting on that stage on that platform uh, during that time. It just, 
It's dumbfounding actually to hear. I wish he never had said it. And I know he's trying to walk it back and saying it was sarcasm. I was asking a question sarcastically to reporters like you. I think you'd have to be a complete moron to think that President Trump was sincerely telling people to shoot themselves up with Lysol. That's totally ridiculous. I would never do that. The president probably himself would never do that. But in a country of 300 million, I'll bet you there's a few out there that would consider trying doing it. And apparently there was quite a few people have been looking through the websites. Um, but I'm no expert on the states. And me and Mike, although we love the states and Mike goes there on regular um, occasions, we have a person who knows certainly the north side of uh, Northern America more than most. And it's our friend on the phones, hopefully, Tom Anderson from the Tom Anderson Show. Tell me there. I absolutely am on. Thank you, Paul. How are you? Uh, we're good. Uh, we're okay. Yeah, we're, we're doing the show on a weekly basis, and it's going great. And after you today, we've got a guy from Joe from the Queens coming on as well. He may have different views than you on some of the things, mm-hmm. uh, but he, they've gone through a terrible time in New York. Uh, and I was just reading about Alaska. You've been you've been let off, really, haven't you? In sense of like, yeah, we have it. And keep in yeah. mind that I, my daytime job is I, I own a, a PR and ad agency with satellite offices in, uh, you know, South Carolina yeah. and uh, North Carolina, actually on the line, and Nevada and Seattle. And so we are helping political candidates across the, the nation, and we help Republicans. We're a Republican-centric firm. And, of course, I'm a former state lawmaker and school board member, and so I've served in office at the state level. And so, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a Trump fan. I don't always agree with every mannerism and every joculation and every commentary he makes. But for the most part, I think he's doing a good job. And, again, he's not the pastor-in-chief. He's the, he's the commander-in-chief. And so I know you can come back with some morality aspects, and, and we can get into that mm-hmm. this morning. But I think on the whole, to answer your question, certainly Alaska, we've done well. Our Governor Dunlady, who was a client of ours, uh, three years ago, you may recall when we had our discussions, yeah. he yeah. he has been leading great, like 300, but mid 300s COVID 19 cases and only nine deaths. Amazing. So, very, very low. Yeah. Well, I've got bad news, Tom. I've been really, really poorly the last um, couple of days. And I got some advice, and I've been drinking Lysol, and I just don't feel right. Yeah, now you know that he didn't specifically say that, and oh, he is on air. Come what on. I would rather have you do, I would rather have both of you gentlemen and your listeners think of this as the glass is half full. You've got a president who, at least up until a couple of days ago, was on every single day with a press conference. You know, even Attacking them. Fauci or Dr. Burks or President Trump, they're going to step on their toes and make a tongue-in-cheek comment that, that someone's going to take literal. But that's what comes with being in press conferences every single day for hours. I just think this is, uh, this of all the strengths, I've always seen your federal model of the 50 states and the governors and the central government and the relationship as being a really good model that seemed to work. And this is the only time where I thought, Oh, I'm not sure. And even the, the differences with gun law that I don't, I don't agree with, where the, the stance overall on guns, but I, the fact that there isn't a central um, platform on it. Uh, I mean, I get it. Different states, different ideas, different people. But this, I think this lack of a unified 
approach of lockdown and when to come out of it. I think it's quite dangerous if people start travelling between the states. And I'd be very worried about it all kicking off again. And it's just very dangerous. We're, we're worried about it starting again, and that's why we've not reopened. When do you think the UK will open? Because in America, we're steadily opening here tomorrow or Friday, and then on, uh, let me see, May 15th is another big day. Uh, do you even have a forecast of when? Nowhere near. Or no, London? Well, we're nowhere near a, a, a final uh, date that we've been given, but I do get some information because the company that I'm on the board of, the, the shipping company, I get information about passport control and when we're going to reopen the port at Jersey, which is uh, it's one of the Channel Islands just off um, off the UK. It's still part of the UK, but not quite. It's a weird, um, like, weird setup. Like Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, like it very much like Hawaii. And um, and basically, we've been told that we're going to start to reopen on the first week of June. So I would be very surprised if the government were not working towards that for the rest of the country. I think that they're going to announce some phased openings around the end of May to the beginning of June, and I reckon June will be the month where they slowly do it. But the the, the death toll has been pretty bad here. Yeah, we've. I mean, if you look and break apart what we are opening and if you think of i don't know when this this if this will be live or if this will be replayed but it's april 29th right now wednesday it's, in alaska tom so it, wednesday morning in, in, in tom, america just so you know we're, we're live right now perfect okay good because i sometimes wonder if this if it's recorded then it won't be relevant perfect no well, we went live because of the crisis we thought it's better to go out live yeah. when we when we do it because you, do you know what you you can't pre-record anything at the moment because two hours later no, so something's happened it's a moving target friends i agree and and here in the u.s what they're looking at they're trying to take uh, uh, an approach, and I'm not speaking for governors, I'm assuming based on what's happening, that we can incrementally open <clears throat> in the ways that are the most benign and don't affect, like, for instance, beaches and state parks have opened back up. Uh, you know, those are New York Times calls it beacons of open space and fresh air, and I would agree. Um, in, in a few states and more to come, barbers, hairdressers, nail salons have opened up. You have to wear masks. Uh, you know, there's distance. They're odd ones, though, then. Up, but, but you have to call in advance to make a reservation, and they've distanced the tables. I think that's why. But you can't distance hairdressers and you can't distance nail salons and stuff. I would have thought you'd have been better off, like, if, if you'd have said you are reopening cinemas, at least in cinemas you can say, right, we, there has to be four seats. Uh, you can have a quarter capacity and just you have to no. put tarpaulins over maybe, maybe, three maybe seats so. in between maybe so but on the on the hairdressers you can you can limit how many people come in yeah but you're still not two meters away you're still not two meters away from the person cutting your hair unless you've got <laughs> arms like an octopus i see I that's see. my so you're saying, yeah well well but but under your logic then you wouldn't even be able to serve at a restaurant because the waiter or waitress is coming up it's a difficult one it's a difficult one i mean you can stand a little bit away from the table if the tables are big enough you can have two people sat opposite like uh, me and paul are doing this show now and we are socially distanced in the studio doing it and that's not a problem but 
Yeah, but it could be if it, literally if this desk we're at was smaller, we we wouldn't be. It's bizarre. I think no two restaurants are the same. Some have small tables, some have big tables. I I find the whole reopening thing. It's like a Rubik's cube. It sounds, trying to it get sounds it. way too early to me for uh, states. Well, and, and in particular in Georgia. I disagree with you that it's way too early, and in, in, certainly in Alaska. I mean, what, what counts? But, but let me what add, counts, especially based on the statistics. Yeah, let me, let's throw this to you, though. Uh, what counts most to you uh, as a Republican, uh, the economy or the people you serve? The people I well, let let's let me tweak your question. Okay, Tom, do li- do life and illness of your loved ones matter, or does economy matter? I think that's what you're getting at. And of course, ensuring that we we prevent the spread of the disease is my first and foremost. Well, why purpose. why is Georgia opening? What's the what's the logic behind that? Why aren't why aren't the parties working together? not being this continual feud that's going on uh, and the way Trump handles it ask all. Ask the Democrats that. Oh, ask the ask Democrats. The Democrats My a lot God. Of the states and on federal level, the Republicans are running and the Democrats aren't willing to budge on anything or acquiesce because they don't want the Republicans, in my opinion, for the most part, they don't want the Republicans to get credit as the elections come in August and, and November. For your listeners, we have our primary in August nationally in every state, which means the same party runs. Mm. So there's one person from the D's, the Republicans and the Democrats that gets elected and they move on to the November national election, which includes Trump against Biden. And let's God, God willing, I know we can all three agree. We hope Trump wins over Biden. No. Oh, yeah. You, do you know what? I'll be honest with you. Um, it's it not really exciting either way because I've either got a lunatic that wants you to drink uh, drain cleaner or whatever or or i've got somebody who mistakes his wife for his sister on stage and has but got he, early onset dementia he can win a nobel prize though i mean that's for sure this, oh yeah the nobles is, prizes oh, yeah hamburger yeah good lord uh, no, it, i know i know it is a fairly anti-trump and obviously tom and you're not his spokesman i understand that but you're a republican party and support it and I, this is what i don't understand about the republican party the fine tradition, and you need a, a good Republican Party and a good Democrat Party to get the best out of each other, I think. That's why I see it. I think the same over here. But why are they still supporting him when he is? And I'll have to be honest with you, Tom, you may not know this, but he's a laughingstock around the world. And I do mean around the world. I talk to people in Germany, in France, in Sweden, in Australia, and they all see him as like, well, he won't be here much longer. He's a laughingstock. But why does the Republican Party support him? Are they that tough, lost and lost the whole battle against the Democrats? They can't see what they're doing. Where's the pride gone? I think that the measure is most clear domestically, not from Sweden, not from New Zealand, not from Japan. It would be or, or Manchester. I think the best measure is someone that is in the midst of. Trumpian policies, all the jokes and bravado aside, good or bad, you know, where he's pro-America or he makes a comment about a woman's look, good and bad comments aside, I look at what he's done in America. What has he done? With COVID-19 and with closures. He was the first to close with testing, with real quick, with No, no, no. No, what's he done for America? uh, Tell me, besides cutting taxes for the rich, what's he done? For America? Yeah. Uh, he's changed the whole playing field of negotiation 
with Mexico and with China. Stop there. Let's stop there. China. So the relationship with China is better now than it was with Obama. Is that what we're saying with the tariffs? No, what I'm saying is that, that Trump is forcefully using probably elements of his book, Art of the Negotiation, Art of the Deal. He is coming in and saying enough is enough of us having everything manufactured in China. Enough is enough of us being in a very restrictive Paris peace accord. Enough is enough of us paying billions of dollars and watching the Iranians lie to us in that contract about nuclear weaponry. Enough is enough when it comes to, you can go down right, the line. Their words, Tom, what has he Alaska. done? Their words, what has he done? Well, just what I said. He's brought he's back done nothing. manufacturing to America. <laughs> No, oh, he brought yeah, that yeah, manufacturing yeah. to America. He ended the Paris Peace Accord. He ended our and that's a good thing. with the Iranians. And that's a good thing, the Paris Pardon? Peace Accord. Leaving that is a good thing. I think so. I th- Just like I think the United Nations and who he, he, he quit funding the World Health Organization. Yeah, that's a disaster. That's a a disastrous move. That's a disastrous move. And he's he's got tariffs going on. And people are paying for these tariffs that you do with talking about. And he seems to think that the Chinese pay. It's like building a wall. No, Americans are paying for those tariffs. And who's paying for the wall? The Mexicans. That the Chinese stepped up and tried to offset some of what we removed. And of course, Trump said, "Why weren't the Chinese doing that in the past decade if they had the money?" I mean, I don't trust the Chinese one inch. I mean, a lot of what what Trump's done is undo Obama's whatever he's... He's tried to dismantle Obama's legacy, irrespective. This is just how I see it. He's gone... One of his primary goals seems to be that he wants to wreck Obama's legacy, whether or not. He's got something to replace it with. The healthcare is a great example. He set about defunding it and defanging it, uh, taking its claws out without any anything to replace it with. Then we, we go on to the Iranian deal. The Iranian deal, those sanctions, it, it, you hear Republicans going, this is, that was a disastrous deal because it gave Iran all these hundreds and hundreds of billions of, of pounds. And, it, and it, it didn't give Iran money. Because all those sanctions, sanctions are not a God-given right. When a country's got sanctions against it, those sanctions end at some point. And uh, Europe had decided that America uh, were wrong and that those sanctions against Iran were not helpful and had gone on too long and that it was the people of Iran that were suffering and it wasn't getting anywhere. So they were about to finish all of those and America would have been stood on their own and Obama went and said, well... We've got to get something out of this. Got the deal, and they sure. got inspections, no, I, and they I, didn't well, break. They the... didn't break those those terms. They were allowing inspectors in unfettered. They didn't break it whatsoever. And then you guys went and tore that deal up. Uh, Trump tore it up, and that makes it look like America can't be trusted. Listen, if you look again from a domestic vantage point, I didn't even mention elements of labor and workforce development. I mean, the manufacturing jobs, the unemployment rate, especially of African-American and Hispanics, the folks that almost I think it was like almost four million off food stamps. This is pre-COVID. This is when when demonstrably you can look at the measures and the metrics of the president. It's profound. The morale of law enforcement 
has been built up and they feel respected. I'm not speaking for every single one, but for the majority, okay. the masses. Okay. Certainly the arm, armed services and veterans, he's paid more attention to, certainly than Obama. Mm-hmm. I mean, the morale of America, but for COVID-19, which now we're resurging again, is I think for the most part, I mean, blacks went from like a 2% rating to a 15% rating for him. Now, you could say, well, that's low. Sure, because blacks lean Democrat. Hispanics don't. I don't know where the Asians lean, probably probably more Republican, but, but African-Americans are a good swath of America, and they're starting to, you know, there's a slow change. I'm telling you, you're not seeing, if you look at the, the not just a, a rote list, but if you, you look at the overall, whether it be, uh, whether it be again, military and, and scrutinizing contracts therewith so that there's these extravagant, very expensive contracts aren't being, aren't being issued. He, he, I think he's making efficiencies. I think he's somewhat cutting down government. He certainly worked well with COVID-19 funding. The money's run out. The money's about to run out twice again on small business loans, but they're looking at a third one already. I mean, they're, they're trying as best they can. Um, I look at it like a George Bush the Younger at 9-11. You see you know some of I mean? this. He's yeah. doing what he can. Well, some and, of this and is. I don't think he's done anything egregious. If all you have is this joke about Lysol. No, about that, the, the guy. The, there, the guy's. You're sitting there erect, if you know what I mean, waiting for him to make a scoop or a comment. He's, a crass, he's a crass individual who, who doesn't have a sense of decency in the way that he comports himself on an international level. He's supposed to be the father of your nation, setting the tone for how you would like society to be. And he is rude, he is offensive, he is misogynistic, he is racist, he is all of the things that I would not but want to see in a person. I don't look at it like person. he's the father of our nation. I look at it like he's our CEO and commander-in-chief, mm. not the father. It's not how not your constitution was and written, not the though. Counselor. It's not how your constitution was written. The, the, it, was, it, it looks, if you look at the, the way it was set up, it, it, this person was supposed to be a person of integrity. And he's not a person of integrity. He's a person that has constantly lined his own pockets using that job to make himself even wealthier, at which point you go, how much wealth does he want? Now, where does that come from? Well, you know come he has. On, you know he has. He, he's filling, he's filling all those hotels with Secret Service agents and charging $600 a night. We have a, not a, a golf club here in Scotland that he has consistently used, and, and we know the, the UK press caught, caught on to this. And they, he was charging double, treble room rates for people. It, it's just not acceptable. You have an emolument clause that's been shredded under under Trump. It's just been made irrelevant. You you are not supposed to make money from the office. It, here, you go to prison for that. That you know, I don't I can't know. Speak to the dynamics of room rates, but I think at a macro level, when you look at tangible things he's done in healthcare in labor, in corrections, freeing people. If you read about that in our federal prison system. I, I agree with that, actually. Yeah, you're guy. right. He, he, I could go down a list on a general way, and I know that you could pick and print. You guys are like an ex-wife, or you're like, no, but you did. Hey, we've made money, but you could have made more. I had a bad year this year. Yeah, you're a bum. You don't work hard enough. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. I love you guys, but I think that you... I believe Trump will win. 
and we'll do two terms with him. And I believe that you guys, much to your chagrin, you you dislike him so much that you can't. You, we you can't might say be for the trees. Good, but I don't think you're going to be clear-minded. Uh, 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 and I'll continue to debate you or to talk. Oh, about, I could. I, just, I hope you guys keep an open. Mind. I'm open-minded. I can tell you now. I could do a full show with you where I attack. The Democratic Party right now, I, I am furious with them and the way that they've conducted themselves. They once again have gone on a witch hunt to get rid of the person who was clean and could have gotten into the election with integrity, which is Bernie. Elizabeth Warren as well didn't come off great. They handpicked their guy again. They've, they've gone and engineered it so that Biden becomes the nominee. They've cheated, they've twisted. Um, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg got together and and hijacked Super Tuesday. They they literally shafted Bernie going into that. It was a highly orchestrated move by the Democratic National Congress to once again make sure that somebody progressive with ideas that would have shaken the establishment a little bit did not get in. They wanted a safe pair of hands that the bankers wanted. And now you've ended up with a guy. And, you, you, yeah, I've been having a go at Trump, so let's have a go at, at Joe Biden. I'll, he seems a nice guy. However, this again, there's some more allegations that have come out now about sexual conduct, um, misconduct, in, in that he's penetrated a lady with his fingers. Hate to be so crude, but that doesn't play very well when you've got Donald Trump who's going to be attacking him in, in debates. And I've got to and say, you, by the way, he can't remember anything. Did you anything. hear your obligatory default? You said, yeah, let's talk about Joe Biden. Well, sure, he's a nice guy. How do you know that? I mean, he comes across, he comes, he, I'll be honest, as a person, the two of them, Joe Biden seems a nicer person. He comports himself nicer, although I've got to say, during the last during the last three, oh, no, well, I'm just about to help you here because during the last three months, Joe Biden has deteriorated and he has been aggressive, mean and obnoxious to his supporters. Whenever anybody said anything that, that has tested him in one of these debates where he's, he's doing a town hall meeting, he's literally told people to get lost and go away and don't vote for me then and been absolutely horrendous. And I've and then you couple that with and I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it as it is. He's got a, a clear medical condition that's causing his mental faculties to fail him at points it's obvious i've seen it i had a grandmother that was going through the same thing i can recognize it and everybody seems to know it and the democratic national congress seem to think that trump is this demagogue that they can just rely on everybody thinking he's the devil that come election day and that everybody will just vote for for joe biden and they don't seem to care whether he's up to doing the job when he gets elected. Yes, I think that's a, a fairly good analysis. And I, I feel sorry for him, too, on the forgetful. I mean, my team, remember, I'm in campaign management. So yeah. we, we have a, a, a cadre of lieutenants that like to pounce if a Joe Biden is our opponent. Yeah. And I'm more heartfelt, and I prefer not to do that. And so I think you can tell that over our over our years of friendship and, and mm. having these these discussions that I mean, I, as Paul asked, well, you know, what do you put first? I put put life and and uh, healthiness first, but but a close second is economics, which sometimes they're inextricably linked. Well, the, the, there is I said, 
yeah, the, the beginning of this, I said that the worry for me, I didn't want to put economy above anything else, but you've got to realise I've got a business as well that's in shutdown, a multi-million pound uh, turnover business that I've got to, I've kept people on, I've not furloughed them. I've done, tried to do the socialist decent thing and keep it going, and it's not easy. But the thing is, I'm concerned about the mental health of my staff. And that's a problem. And so I'm not completely dismissing the economy as needing... Uh, there does need to be a point where it reopens. But over here, with it being an island as well, you've got it's not a massive landmass like you've got. It, it would be catastrophic if we opened too soon because I think it, you'd have a cascade and you could end up with an outbreak of it that's probably bigger than the one that we've... Um, done and i think the cost of shutting down for a second time and then reopening would probably finish off a lot of businesses yeah no i think you're right and, and, and as an owner i think you're definitely you're cognizant of what's going on i have to run to my show but what i would love to talk about in future weeks is what happens as this unfolds, not in a political sense, but in a true labor and business sense. Oh, yeah. When do you think we'll be back economically? And I could talk about what Alaska's doing. Oh, yeah. I have some knowledge on some other states, and you could talk about UK, and we could get into that. Shipping routes, aviation, Oh, domestic, yeah. I love to discuss and I think that. And I think your listeners would enjoy that. Well, I think also, and I'll just say it now, there are going to be, this is not going to be the same world after this finishes. It won't. And I think that's where we need we need to have that discussion you've just said because I think that's what's going to happen. I, everyone thinks it's going to snap back to normal, and I think there's going to be profound long-term changes that we need to discuss. Tom, tell people what. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's in the middle. Tom, tell people about your show. That, Paulie? Tell people about your show. Yes, sir. It's Tom Anderson's show. You betcha. I'm in Alaska, the great state of Alaska. So Alaska time, seven to nine a.m. Monday through Friday, you can listen to me. I'll be starting here live in a few minutes. And TomAndersonShow.com if you're interested. Like our Facebook page. Thank you, guys. Take care, mate. See you soon. Cheers. When my mum was dying of cancer, I used to play this to her really badly. The Marie Curie nurses who were looking after her said that no one should be made to suffer like that. I said, I do the jokes around here. The nurses were fantastic. They chatted to her for hours, even when she couldn't talk herself anymore. One of them, Angela, even showed us how to move her gently without hurting her. And they let us know it was okay for her to eat whenever and whatever she wanted. Because Mum was at home, we could talk to her about really personal things in private. Marie Curie nurses made that possible, and they did it for free, and they can't continue their free work without your help. They need more funds, so I'm asking you to join me and support the great Daffodil Appeal by visiting mariecurie.org.uk or donate now by calling 0800 716 146. It was thanks to Marie Curie nurses that my mum spent her last days at home with dignity and with my guitar playing. This is Fab Radio International. Oh, well, quite interesting there from Tom Anderson over in Alaska. Next up, we have hopefully on the phone line our secret spy, the union man, uh, Joe in Queens. Uh, but before that, I love this guy, Jim Acosta. He works for CNN. He's the White House's correspondent, the reporter there, and he Trump hates him. Do, do you think? Do you think he actually hates him? I, I he know hates he hates him? him. I see his face. I see the expression. When he sees the guy, he, it triggers Trump. 
Trump yeah. is triggered by him. I mean, this is the guy, just giving a little bit of background, he's the guy who got pushed out. He got his White House press credentials yeah. withdrawn. Yeah. And he went, the, the CNN went to the high court and the court overruled the White House and reinstated him. So Jim Acosta is in that White House. He, he really is there and Trump has actually thrown him out and has had to accept him being there every day. So every single day he sees Jim Acosta, he's seeing a guy who's stood there going, yep, yeah, you can't get rid of me, sunshine. Yeah, anyway, this is uh, last night when he was pressing, pressing the uh, uh, president on his uh, prediction on COVID-19. And we, after this, we'll be back with uh, Joe. President Trump talked about how he is expected to sign this executive order using the Defense Production Act to instruct meat processing plants to remain open. The move comes amid worries that the pandemic could result in food shortages across the U.S. Uh, as the U.S. has hit one million cases of the coronavirus, the president is pointing the finger at others when asked why he once predicted that the number would be down to zero by now. And the president is also saying the worst of the pandemic is behind the U.S. when that's not a sure thing. With the U.S. hitting one million cases of the coronavirus, President Trump is refusing to admit he got it wrong. Despite predicting back in February the number would be down to zero. You predicted that the number of cases would go down to zero. How did we get from your prediction of zero to one million? Well, it will go down to zero ultimately. And you have to understand when it comes to cases, we do much more testing than anybody else. The experts got it wrong. A lot of people got it wrong. And uh, a lot of did people. You, did you get it wrong? The president is insisting the U.S. has a handle on testing. The only problem is the press doesn't give credit for that because, you know, no matter what test you do, they'll say, oh, you should have done this. You should have tested 325 million people 37 times. Uh, no, the testing is going very well. President is complaining about media coverage of the administration's testing woes, even though he made this promise to Americans back in March. Anybody that needs a test gets a test. White House is straining to ramp up testing as new modeling shows a rising estimate for coronavirus deaths in the U.S., approximately 74,000 by August, up from some 67,000 projected last week. Even the president appears to be embracing the new estimate. Yeah, we've lost a lot of people, but if you look at what original projections were, 2.2 million, we're probably heading to 60,000, 70,000. It's far too many. One person is too many for this. And I think we've made a lot of really good decisions. Coronavirus Task Force Dr. Anthony Fauci said the virus has become a global nightmare. What keeps me up at night is the emergence of a brand new infection, likely jumping species from an animal that's respiratory born, highly transmissible, with a high degree of morbidity and mortality. And lo and behold, that's where we are right now. And the reason it's so unprecedented it exploded upon us. Still, the White House is making more missteps, with Vice President Mike Pence touring the renowned Mayo Clinic in Minnesota without wearing a mask. That's despite the clinic's policy that visitors wear masks. The head of the Food and Drug Administration, Dr. Stephen Hahn, wore a mask, but Pence didn't. Since I, I don't have the coronavirus, I, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for me to be here, to be able to speak to these researchers, these incredible healthcare personnel, and look them in the eye and, and say thank you. When the president was pressed on some of the early warnings he received on the potential for a pandemic. I would have to check. I want to look as to the exact dates of warnings. 
Mr. Trump tried to point the finger at Fauci, calling him Anthony. You uh, go back and you take a look uh, at even professionals like Anthony were saying, this is no problem. This is late in February. This is no problem. This is going to blow. This is going to blow over. And they're professionals and they're good professionals. Uh, Most people thought this was going to blow over. But hold on. Back in late February, Fauci did say it wasn't necessary yet for people to change their behavior, but he warned the outbreak could be serious. It depends on the nature of the outbreak. I mean, this could be a major outbreak. I hope not. Similar to warnings from other public health officials. It's not so much a question of if this will happen anymore, but rather more a question of exactly when this will happen and how many people in this country will have severe illness. Actually, at that time, it was the president who was saying coronavirus cases would vanish. When you have 15 people, and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero, uh, that's a pretty good job we've done. An influential model just raised uh, its prediction of coronavirus deaths here in the United States. The University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation now forecasts 74,000 deaths in the United States by August 4th, up from 67,000 in a previous estimate. Uh, The Institute's director, Dr. Christopher Murray, is joining us now. Dr. Murray, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks to your whole team for what you guys are doing. Tell us why the new model, the revised version, the death projections, uh, going upward by nearly 7,000 to a total of more than 74,000 people in the U.S. by early August. Why the increase? Well, there two things that are driving the increase, and then there's a third that we need to talk about, which is the relaxing social distancing. But the two that are there in the model now are we're seeing case numbers go up. Obviously, testing has shot up in the last five, six days. More cases are being picked up. We're trying to make sense of that, but rising case numbers in in a number of states. And then we're seeing that the peak of deaths in a number of places is just lasting longer than anyone expected. If you look at other places that implemented social distancing, some of them in Europe hit a peak and came down pretty quickly. Uh, And then there's a few that did not, but we're seeing more of these protracted long periods of slow decline. And that's naturally leading to an increased number of deaths. The third factor that's gone into this is a number of states have revised their death numbers. So even going back in the past, we've got people that never got a test, but they're a presumptive COVID death, and that's pushing the numbers up as well. So those are all feeding into what we're seeing in this up. Uh, these increased forecasts. I understand uh, that uh, your model assumes that states won't remove social distancing restrictions until infections drop below uh, one per one million. But many states are already going ahead with reopening. How is that going to impact your projections? I know you revise them all the time. Well, we're going we're we're working behind the scenes uh, pretty intensely to be able to both exactly understand what are the changes that are coming in which states. And then we're using mobility data from the past, you know, from cell phone mobility apps uh, to understand what's likely to happen in those states. And then we will come out with a major update uh, that will inevitably, for the states that are relaxing social distancing, push our numbers up because the risk of resurgence in some of those states uh, will be great. It's, it's a trade-off between testing capacity and the increase uh, in mobility and the decline in social distancing. And so we have to 
figure that out in, in the modeling framework. What, what's your message, uh, Dr. Murray, to governors out there who are already easing the restrictions? Well, I think uh, in, in our assessment, now is too soon to be easing in any state. Uh, you know, of course, we understand there's economic pressures to, to ease restrictions, but from a, you know, protecting the public's health perspective, uh, it is increasing the risk of resurgence. And we will inevitably see that show up both in people getting sick and some of them dying, uh, as, as well as showing up in our uh, you know, best assessment of what's likely to happen in the coming months. Your model only attempts to project the current wave of infection, as I understand it. But Dr. Anthony Fauci says he's almost certain that the virus uh, will return, will actually remain uh, here in the United States, uh, even in the fall and winter. Are you working on a model that can forecast multiple waves of the pandemic? Yours goes through August 4th right now. But I assume if you look ahead beyond August, September, October, November, what do you see? Well, we're certainly trying to, to work on that. Uh, and eventually we will come out with uh, longer range forecasts. The key uh, sort of difficult things to understand about that is how much of a seasonal effect will there be? Will there be any? Will there be some? There's some suggestion that we'll see fewer cases in the summer because there's a small but not large relationship to temperature that we're seeing already in the data, uh, meaning that there is a real risk of resurgence in the fall. The vast majority of Americans will be susceptible, even in New York, as you probably saw, you know, 78% of in New York City and, you know, 85% of the whole state are still susceptible. So there's plenty of people who can get infected. Virus comes back in or even stays within the community over the summer. There's a very real risk of resurgence uh, later in the year. And so we're, we'll try to get a handle on that and eventually provide the, the public and, and hospital planners and others with some assessment of what that risk looks like in the longer term. And I know the White House Coronavirus Task Force members, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Berks, they're relying on your information. Uh, they, they believe you guys have a very good track record. And unfortunately, 58,000 Americans have already died over the past couple months. Uh, you're projecting it will go up to 74,000 by August 4th. Thousands. These aren't just numbers, as you and I and everyone knows. These are mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, this horrific situation, unfortunately, is going to continue for a while. Dr. Murray, thanks to you and your colleagues. Thanks to everything you're doing. And there we have Jim Acosta and his... Um, um, hey, Donald Trump must love him. But I know another person who loves Donald Trump, and he's on the phone right now, um, with the fingers crossed anyway, should be Joe. Joe from Queens. How you doing? How are you doing, Joe? Obviously, you've been listening to the show. The other guy, that's our third Mancunian candidate, Tom, Tom Anderson. He's been with us for a while. Uh, I would imagine you, you you share a lot of his political views, probably, after listening to all that. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't well, be more you know, polar it's, opposite. It's always fun. I'm yeah. sorry? Yeah, I said it couldn't be more polar opposite, really, could it? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know... I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out swinging here and, and just say it's it's always fun to listen to a crook. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I uh, I've got some numbers here that I'd like to share with the listening audience just to put things in perspective. Um, obviously, 
we're dealing with a pandemic right now and all of that, but, uh, you know, the talk of Donald Trump, if I can, if it's all right with you two, I'd like to just go a different direction for a moment here. Uh, in today's news, uh, Mitch McConnell comes out and uh, basically declares that the Republican Party is not going to be helping any blue states. Yeah. So it leads to the question, why wouldn't the federal government be on board with helping a blue state? Mm. And one of the things you see, something we've talked about on this show, is the difference between states. Yeah. One of the things that you see when you look at different states and how they tie in with the federal government is, of course, the numbers. Mm. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. Now, we have a saying here, there's givers and there's takers. Uh, our friend Tom out in Alaska is, of course, a resident of a take state. Yep. And we'll get into that. In I totally get where this comes from. Yeah. No, no, because I, I get frustrated by this setup because, as I've always said, we were discussing on the last show, these are the states that are always want, they want to succeed and have succession from the United States whenever something doesn't suit them and they, they are the taker states. Yep. It's, and and uh, <laughs> Alaska is is much more of a take of state than you might even realize. Now, I didn't realize New York, that. as a state, as a state, New York gives. Okay, we give twenty six point six billion dollars more to the federal government than what we receive in funding from the federal government. That's the numbers from twenty eighteen. That boils down to a $1,792 deficit per resident of New York State. In other words, New yep. York State pays the federal government seventeen, nearly $1,800 yeah. per person who lives here. Now, And I just interrupt that, there, is that why it's quite incendiary when you hear Mitch. Trump and, and his Mitch. ilk going on about New York as if they're needy and that we're bailing them out. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is something that's been going on for years. President Ford told us to drop dead in a famous uh, quote back in the 70s oh, yeah, when New York yeah. City was bankrupt. Yeah, I remember that. So this is nothing new and has nothing to do with the pandemic. This is just an ongoing culture in America. And you take a guy like Mitch McConnell, who's the Senate Majority Leader, who comes out and says he doesn't want to help us, his state took from the federal government uh, in 2018 $148 billion. Mm. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. He paid money to the federal government, and his state took. And he wants to come out and talk about he doesn't want to help us. In his state, they received net federal funding from the federal government of $9,145 per resident. Yeah. Wow. Now, Mitch McConnell, I uh, just put in my view on him now. I actually dislike him out of everybody involved in this whole apparatus, the whole Republican Party, the regime, all the things that annoy me about it. I find him the most dangerous. I find him the, the most dishonest. I, I can't stand him. I think that at least Trump, you know what he's doing. You know who he is. You know he's a thief. You know that he's a, a liar. You know that he's out to line his own pockets and do whatever. Whereas Mitch McConnell tries to be a proper 
statesman. He pretends to be a proper politician that cares and all the rest of it. And, and the truth is, he's a disgrace. He's the self-proclaimed Grim Reaper that's done more to hold back and put a, a break on democracy in, in your country than, than I've ever heard. And, and the thing that annoys me about him is he's so emboldened. The fact that when the impeachment started, he said, I've already made my mind up, doesn't matter. And, and then you go, oh, well, you're admitting then that this isn't going to be a fair trial in any way. But the guy is a danger to democracy, that guy. He is. And meanwhile, you got people like our friend Tom in Alaska, who, by the way, his state gets $7,048 per resident from the federal funds. Right. And, you know, they're doing something right up there. I got to hand it to Tom and his people because... Their residents have something called the Alaska Permanent Fund that they benefit from with payouts from the state every year. And in addition to that, they don't have to pay state taxes. Maybe that has something to do with us New Yorkers floating them on the ride. But then they go into government and make decisions that affect us. And they get to say that they don't want to help us. Yeah. Alaska's had nine deaths, like you guys said. Yeah. Nine deaths. Yeah. I know more than nine people. Yeah, in my life that have passed away from this virus. Yeah. Our state has a grand total of 17,638 people yeah. who have passed away. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The county I live in, the county of Queens, currently has 3,898 people that have passed away. Yeah. So if they want to go ahead and open up businesses in Georgia and Alaska and Kentucky... If they want to take our money to put more lives in danger and take our PPE away from our healthcare workers, yeah, and sit there and talk about how we're wrong for asking for help, then maybe it would be best for everybody if New York took care of itself. I understand why you think that. We keep our money. Yeah, I understand why you'd think like that. I, I, I'd be surprised if that isn't a popular sentiment when it comes up to election time and in, in the future. I mean, the, it's, it's terrible if you want to look at it in a way that people can understand listening to this show. The death rate has passed in New York uh, to the equivalent of, I think, 20 9-11s, hasn't it? And 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 I mean, the, the shock. You had yeah. a, a little over three thousand. Yeah. I don't know what the total numbers are now of those who have passed since nine eleven due to nine eleven related diseases. Oh yeah, well, these that as well. People, you know, people who are affected, people who have long term health issues that are specifically relevant yeah. to respiratory issues due to all of yeah. the. And hasn't Mitch McConnell from the air. hasn't Mitch McConnell blocked legislation to take care of those uh, first responders as well on me- many occasions? Absolutely, the Republican Party has blocked legislation to take care of 9/11 first responders on numerous occasions, and we've had to kick and scream and yell to get our first responders taken care of ever since 9/11. Yeah. And yet, you go into these red states and they're waving the flag and talking about never forget. And they're sending our children off for a war that seems like it's never going to end. Yeah. But they want to they, they want to let us sit here and suffer. Mm. They want to take our money and then let us sit here and die. Yeah. So when I hear a crook like Tom come on and spew his views, I find it really entertaining. It doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I'd like to see him come to Queens 
and 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 come see what it's like around here you know yeah it, it's a very very different situation i mean as i say i've been to different states and they they are like yeah there's certain things that go uh, uh, through with the american culture that that the same everywhere but they are like different countries they they really are and i think that people need to be more understanding but new york has took the brunt of this and i do i do it's just awful to think of the the numbers that you're talking about here and and when i hear it off you it's very upsetting and i do hope that people in the other states where like alaska it hasn't affected them as much. They try to nowhere, grasp... Nowhere yeah. near whatsoever. It's yeah, I, I, I hope they do try to, to empathise more. I don't have any faith that they will. And I don't even expect it, nor do I care for it at this point. Uh, Just leave us alone and stop taking our money. That's what I want. Mm. Uh, um, do you think that not only is this... Um, it's like over here with Brexit, it divided the country. Um, and America, to me, has always been weird on the divide they've got between the left and the right. Do you think the, the virus has made it even wider, the divide? And can it ever come back together and actually be effective anymore as a government? Um, you know, one thing... I. One thing that I can say with certainty that the virus has done on a political scale is it's, it's, uh, it's created a new generation of labor organizers. Mm. There are going to be many more organizing campaigns across all industries throughout this country, and I would even dare, yes, around the world. Um, and typically, when you see an increase in labor organizing, you will see an increase in socialist policy making and beliefs. So I think that divide is going to grow as a result of people who are hurting, needing help, people seeing how that help can be done and that we are capable of providing that help, you know, that our governments are capable of providing that help through socialist systems. Mm. being implemented in times of crisis and they're going to say well why can't we do this all the time well it's a time when that word isn't and, a dirty word anymore is it and 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 they see they're demonizing bernie sanders for being a democratic socialist and believe you me in over here in in the uk he'd be a centrist politician uh, he, he, they, those yeah. views he had were not were nothing to us. They, 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 all the things he wanted were stuff that's taken for granted in the UK. There was no problem. Everyone should get healthcare, yeah. and and that's the thing. I do hope that comes out of this because there should be some long term um, upside to this. I hope, but, but I hope they, people have, learn. I don't think the Democratic Party has learned, has it? Really, because of how they've reacted, and I know the virus came afterwards. Uh, but the looks at Biden now, I mean, he's not a strong character, is he? Too, he's too old, for one. He's ill. So, I, you know. I'm disgusted with the Democratic Party right now. They've just, I don't know if you guys heard, yeah. but um, they've just canceled the New York Democratic primary. So heard, Democrats yeah. in New yeah. York State aren't even going to have the opportunity to voice their opinions. Mm. And many people on the surface say, what difference does it make? Bernie dropped out already. Mm. The difference that it makes is that we get to go to the polls and say, okay, Bernie dropped out, but we want him to be our president. Yeah. We want him to be our nominee. Mm. And in 
giving those delegates to Bernie or whoever, yeah. to Biden, anybody. Absolutely. It, it shows the Democratic Party which direction its own members, its own registered voters actually want to go in. Yeah. And in canceling the primary, uh, what they've essentially done is taken away that piece of our democracy. Well, that, that and, decision was made, but just prior to Super Tuesday, they decided that it was too dangerous. It looked like Bernie might actually get over the finish line, and they got Klobuchar and right. Buttigieg to to pull out and recommend to vote uh, recommend to vote for Joe Biden. Because if they'd have done it with plenty of time, people would have had a thought about who they wanted to support. And they may have gone from Klobuchar and gone, do you know what, Bernie, free healthcare, yeah, we'll go with Bernie. But instead, they didn't give people time to think, so they did it rapid fire on the two days leading up to the Super Tuesday, and people didn't have a chance to think, so they just went, oh, well, she's pulled out and she said to vote for Biden. Boom, done. It was a coup. It was a coup, again. And it isn't the first time they've done it. They do it every time. No, this uh, is a culture, a long-existing culture, in, in, in both the major political parties here. They, they, they have, you know, enormous teams of professionals who spend their life creating policies and, and putting candidates of their choosing in place that are going to enforce those agendas. And... Anytime you deviate from that, anytime you see a grassroots movement in American history to organize either a new political party or within a political party, you see it just get smacked down left and right until it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Same yeah. here. It is. It's the same, same here. Same Very here. much the same. Yeah, it's the yeah. same here. It's, it's frustrating. So, I mean, the, this problem now, though, you've got... The election's coming up in November, so to from how it appears to us over in the UK, it looks like Trump and the Republican Party are dead set on just reopening the economy as soon as possible, getting, out, getting the stock market and the Dow Jones index fired up so that he can go into the election in November saying that the economy is booming again, and that seems to be more important than lives at the moment. Is that a fair assessment? It is. That's exactly the message that they send. And you can see it in the corporatized media. You know, if you watch, for example, CNN, you might see one story. Whereas if you watch Fox, you're going to see another story. Mm. On our local news in the morning, just uh, just yesterday, they had a reporter who probably lives here in Queens in a, in a neighborhood called Astoria, reporting live from Astoria. And the first thing she said was, we're here in Astoria where everybody just wants to get the economy going and open back up for business. Mm. Well, big surprise that she's a Fox News reporter. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I don't know anybody here in Queens right now that wants to leave their apartment. <laughs> so, no, that's the thing. I mean, in, uh, even in Georgia, when they reopened everything, the streets were still empty the other day. People were, are still scared. They're not, they don't actually trust the government when they say reopen. That's that's very true, and I think a lot of people are going to be questioning the governments, local governments and federal governments. Um, you're never going to get through to the people that are diehard Trump supporters. You're never going to get them to say 
anything bad about Trump. At this point, I'm convinced there's nothing that can shake their unwavering loyalty to Trump. No, they, he, and he and nailed it at the beginning. He said I could shoot someone on, what was it, Park Avenue or something, and, and they'll still vote for me. And he got it. He nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, and that's, that's who he is, and that's who his voter base is, and that's a part of this country that we're just never going to get rid of. I, don't, I just I just don't understand how they can they can want the values. It was an argument I keep having with Tom because uh, uh, I know Tom. I've met him and and he's got a lovely son. He's an amazing young man. And you, I said to him, I mean, surely these views, the stuff that comes out, the hatred that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth, that he that's a terrible role model for your son. And he's saying, well, I don't see him as a father of the nation. Uh, I see him as a CEO of a company. But I, I think it's very important who you, the guy at the top is. And if he's a misogynistic, rude, aggressive, horrendous person, then he's setting the tone for the nation. Precisely. That's, uh, that couldn't be better said. He sets the tone for the nation, and he... He is a laughing stock around the world. Yes, and and he just perpetuates the negative image and stereotype of an American. If I was to walk down the streets of almost any city uh, around the planet right now as an American, I will be prejudged yeah. based on what my president says and who he is. That's so spot on, that, isn't it? I mean, yes. I mean, Americans have suffered from this in the past as well, haven't they? Mm. Where you, you just, you just, some people just say, oh, he's American, so therefore they jump on how it's perceived, American people, by the president. Mm. I mean, same way here in England. Uh, you go to Spain, uh, and in Spain, you're perceived as just a yobbo who's but, drunk. But at the end of the day, the, the pro, you have got a very extreme set of circumstances here because in the past... You may not agree with with who's president. You may not be happy, um, but at the end of the day, there's a certain cutoff point that you've gone over a line here with. Where even though George Bush was just a junior, was just a puppet, and he wasn't even really running the uh, the government or doing the job, at least he was just a part of the establishment. He was whatever he did. He said some silly stuff, but he wasn't. He wasn't coming across as openly racist when he was out. And you could see him visiting a foreign country and it, it wasn't absolutely apocalyptic. No. Obama, I think, was very skilled and looked good. He made America look good abroad. Yeah, diplomat. And, and I think presidents have always, to varying degrees, they've done OK when they've represented the United States abroad. But, my God, this is a different level. You send in... A, a, an open racist who, who who defended the Charlottesville um, race riots. Well, it's a guy who's dumb. That's quite clear. He's a dumb guy, isn't he? He's, he's, he's no intelligence. He's streetwise, you would say, some people would say. But he started off with a load of money. He's a rich kid. He was just a bully. That's, and that's my opinion of him. He's just a bully. And he's used his ways that he's always got through in life as a president. And that's not a president. That's not a prime minister. How can you look at someone and appreciate them and admire them? You don't. And I stick by my thoughts before. He's a laughingstock around the world. Absolute joke. And I think it's a shame that American people like Joe would, like, say, if Joe walked into down the street in France and someone started talking to him, the first thing they'd bring up is Trump. Yeah. And it's a shame. It's a shame yeah. on the people. Anyway, that's my thoughts. It's, I'm just keeping it's to It's really him. sad. Now, of course... 
in in America, <clears throat> this this isn't even necessarily a topic that's considered, because you have over eighty percent of our population have never even held a valid passport. They don't even consider the idea of going to another country, so they don't care. Um, I've always found that quite strange. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. incredible, isn't it? There's a lot to see though in the states. A lot to see. There is, yeah. There's a lot there to see. Huge. Uh, while you're on the phone, um, is any news on the? I mean, you work it for people who don't know. You work in the music industry. Is any words that coming through to you about perhaps certain things reopening, gigs maybe starting somewhere, or is it still exactly the same? Word from the entertainment industry. Yeah. Uh, the current word that I'm getting um, from uh, from sources that, that I'm in with uh, is that we have many months to go before we see openings for concerts, tours, venues of any type. Um, so there's really just not much to report there. Uh, you know, uh, until social distancing is not a concern, I, and and it's my personal belief that until we have an actual uh, available vaccine globally, that you're not going to see the entertainment industry return in in regards to live entertainment. Um, you know, there's there's been some talk about how to get film and television sets back up and running, and how social distancing can be implemented on film and television sets. Safety measures are being looked at for how people can work in those environments safely. Um, but, you know, you, you just can't put a 100 or a 1,000 or 10,000 people into a venue to watch a concert right now. And you're not going to be able to do that for months to come. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, bad news, sad news. And sad news it's just sad because yeah. the the long-term effects you've got a lot of talent out there that that this would have been their moment this would have been their moment mm. to break out and their yeah, moment will pass and they were there are some people that will never get the opportunity but again. the people who work in the industry as well people yeah. who, who are self-employed you yeah. know sound engineers etc etc who just go along and they're used to their work now when will they get paid again yeah when will that road get paid again yeah this is when will that tool manager be going to send the herd? So, is the uh, the payments and the the help and assistance from the government is it actually getting to people now, or is it still very hit and miss? Uh, there's there's some hit and miss. Uh, many many of the people that I work with, many of the people that I'm in touch with in the industry, are receiving their payments. Um, the stimulus package providing. Uh, an additional six hundred dollars uh, to unemployment uh, is, is really helping uh, those who are receiving it. Because, for example, here in New York State, the maximum payout you can receive from the state for unemployment is five hundred and forty dollars per week. With the federal stimulus package, people are getting an additional six hundred dollars per week right. on top of that. That's not bad. So. Yeah, it's keeping people alive. It's keeping people in their in their homes, and um, uh, you know that that's been good. But there's still people who aren't able to to get that money. Mm. There are many people who can't get through. 
Uh, I have a few friends who are engineers in small clubs. Um, and this is, you know, common practice around the world. A lot of times you have sound engineers or uh, venue personnel who are working for cash. Um, you know, they're not getting any help because they don't qualify for unemployment. Um, and, yeah. and then in some cases you have good old-fashioned New York promoters who cook their books in a way uh, which has unfortunately now affected their employees in that uh, they don't qualify for unemployment benefits because their boss didn't report them correctly. Mm. So, when there's you think, still a lot of issues mm. to be worked out. When, when this is over, because at this moment everybody's suffering, but there are some companies, and a lot of which are registered for tax in different domiciles as well, there's all that going on. A lot of people have been opportunist here. A lot of people have just done really well out of this. And Amazon is a great example. There's, uh, there's the company Zoom that provide the software for the uh, conferencing that's keeping people going. Do you think maybe when this is over that the idea of an Elizabeth Warren-type windfall tax of ten, a one-off 10% of the profits for the, the year of this virus and the way it, it's carried on, a windfall tax on Amazon, a windfall tax on Zoom and places like that that have exploded because of this and done really well to try to repay some of this money because I, do you think that would be a good idea because I can see that this, uh, I'm absolutely waiting for the UK government, the right-wing UK government, to land the bill for all of this with the poor people and I think the people that have actually made a fortune out of this are going to get away without paying a penny I would love to see uh, a windfall tax of some sort uh, what I would really be excited to see more than that is uh, that the workers uh, stand together in solidarity and organize across those industries and yeah. You know, we have an important day coming up on Friday. It's May Day, where there are planned walkouts and wildcat strikes across the country at places like Amazon facilities and Walmart. I didn't know that. Targets mm. and all these big box retailers. Right. And hopefully, you know, these actions are going to get better publicity now. Mm. And these retailers who, like you said, are making a profit off of this whole situation. A yeah, uh, will hopefully be forced to treat their workers appropriately and give them a fair living wage and better conditions and uh, maybe even an opportunity to retire with dignity someday. Yeah, I so. mean, it's, it's frustrating to think that you've got, on one level, you've got people in the health industry that are risking their lives on a daily basis to, to socially mingle and, and, and put themselves at risk to save people's lives. And yet you've got other people as well that are working in a bloody warehouse um, just to deliver Blu-rays and, and unnecessary things to people. And they're risking their lives on the same level as, as the care workers, but, but for something that's just generating a load of profit for, for Jeff Bezos. It's, um, it's a crazy yeah. world. And then you have even... The, in another terrible example of Trump's leadership, he has just mandated uh, through a federal order uh, that meatpacking facilities oh, yeah. must stay open. Uh, you have yeah. meatpacking facilities across the country, even in remote areas such as the Dakotas, are experiencing horrible outbreaks 
with gigantic numbers of people contracting the virus due to the working conditions that they're forced to work in. Yeah. And Trump is responding by saying, get to work. We need our meat. You've got governors like the governor in Iowa saying, if you don't come to work, you're not eligible for unemployment. Well, that's what happened here when we we had an outbreak and I, I, my company, I wanted to shut the company and they said they would not sanction a shutdown, a proper lockdown. And they kept putting it off and putting it off for weeks. And we had to remain open so that all our staff got their wages and got everything. And um, they drew it out for so long. And then finally, when they said close, that was fine because we could close. All the staff could get the money that they needed and the help and, and we could move on. But when somebody is actively saying open, like in Georgia, where he's telling businesses, oh, you've got to open, they're stuck in a limbo because they know that they're endangering their staff by opening, and they also know that they don't have the sympathy or the support uh, that they did have because it's not an is official it, is it lockdown. Not, is it not corporate murder, though? Feels like it. I mean, therefore, you would have a claim against them, especially somewhere in states where you know, it's a claim crazy. It's not corporate genocide, maybe. I don't You'd know. you have to prove it. Well, it's I there. Know, it's, it certainly it's world. feels that way. If we tell... If we tell our workers they're essential and they must report for work and we give them no resources to fall back on and no safety net, we're talking about, you know, yeah. the, the, not just the healthcare workers, but as you mentioned, grocery store workers, yeah. uh, you know, service industry workers that are largely from the working class being told, come to work or you're out and yeah. you can't get unemployment. Yeah. They're, they're staring at a, a, a rent bill coming up that even under oh, yeah. normal circumstances they'd be struggling with. It's the old so, story again and again and again throughout history, no matter when this has happened. And this is a very extreme situation that's never happened in our lifetimes and I hope never happens again. But it's always the same. The rich are isolated from, from the consequences of any negativity. They, right, they're right. always, always isolated. Money is the perfect cocoon like the queen not like the yeah. queen the queen with 22 people yeah no we'll, we'll talk about that later oh yeah i'll have an argument okay. with okay. you about that okay. later um um joe thanks so much for um coming on the show uh we hope to see you soon or hear from you soon um and you you know they hate the word stay safe but it's so appropriate and to um take care mate yeah i hope you and your family all are right good. thank you for having me guys anytime be good. Cheers. Uh, Joe from the Queens. Uh, uh, what a nice guy he is and some great points. And it's just before, we've, we've, we've overrun the show, but it's an hour and a half into the show. Mm. Uh, but we'll finish off now. But the Queen, 22 yeah. members of staff yeah. in the way. Yeah. 22 she's the mem- Queen. What 22 members yeah, of staff. Yeah, she's the Queen. What do you expect? She's the Queen. She's the head of the country. She's, she is... She has to be looked well, you after. Well, you said it. Money talks. And why, why, no, it's money not talks. money talks. It's not money with her, though. Right. Because she has given her life 
to be the queen. She's not a person who has got any opportunity to enjoy that wealth whatsoever. From the minute at 23 that her father died and she took on that role, she has been an unswerving person. That's what the rest of the royal family No, I'm, I'm not even so, defending them. I'm yeah. just going to defend her. She's the best civil servant that we've ever had. She's devoted her life to looking after does this she need, country. Does she need 22 people? I don't know. I'm her. not there. But she needs looking after. She's elderly. And she's the she is the she's most go important person in the country. Care home the country. No, well, how many people are looking after the prime minister? How many people are looking after Donald Trump? She's got. She is a very important person, high up in the hierarchy of the running of the country. She is going to need looking Minimum after. Staff of well, well, I'm afraid right, if she doesn't have people there and someone wa- uh, breaks in, look at what happened with the intruder in the Queen's bedroom who managed to get in Buckingham Palace and, and he was going to slash his wrists and he sat on his bed talking yeah. to her. And she handled that cute, cool well, as a cucumber. Think you brought the subject up, the, the, the divide. She's not a rich a person, though, oh, Paul. She's not. She's not, she's not rich. She's not rich financially because this country owns all of that that the queen oh, owns she has her own personal wealth no, it's irrelevant because she doesn't get to spend Let's it talk about that next week she doesn't go on holiday you know my name's paul ripley and i'm mike royce and i know what i'm talking about and this is my candidates we'll yeah. see you next week uh thank you for listening